Welcome, and thank you for listening to the first ever episode of Leaps and Bounds. I'm your host, Tom Bash, and I'm thrilled to be bringing you conversations with some of the most successful CEOs, sales leaders, and home improvement professionals. You know, when I started in this industry 20 years ago, tearing off roofs, I had no idea about what went into making a home improvement business successful. Now, having met with thousands of contractors, helping them adopt technology, and watching them grow, I'm excited to invite them in to share what's made them successful, what they're doing today to stay ahead of their competition, and the advice they have for others. On this episode, I'm joined by Patrick Fingles, CEO of New Look Home Design and Leap. As an early adopter of technology and an industry leader, we'll discuss how Patrick runs two successful companies, what his day-to-day challenges are, what he's doing from a sales and marketing perspective that's helped New Look rank as a top 50 home improvement contractor in the country, along with much, much more. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. If you do, be sure to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, and let others know that they should listen too. Let's get this show started. I'm joined today for the first ever Leaps and Bounds podcast by no other than the Patrick Fingles. Patrick, how are you? I'm good. How are you? You ever been uh, introed as the Patrick Fingles? Every day. Every day. Yeah, that's how I, I pretty much walk in the room and they're like, please welcome <laughs> the Patrick Fingles. Um, first of all, I'm excited to really have you on and uh, to learn more about who you are and what's made you successful. Um, but I got to say, I'll let everybody know, Patrick, you're CEO of New Look Home Design, uh, as well as Leap. And so we'll get into a little bit more of that later. Mm-hmm. But I got to tell you, I just moved down here from New York and uh, I didn't realize how famous you were. You're on, you know, at breakfast, you're on at dinner. I see your face everywhere. And so for people not in Maryland, not in uh, maybe Virginia, New Jersey, I know you have some offices there. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell everybody more about you and, and, and uh, you know, business. Well, I am a Maryland born and raised probably F-list celebrity. I don't know. I'm definitely not B-list or C-list. <laughs> Farther down than that. But I can't believe I got you on for the first first ever episode. Yeah, here. yeah, yo, I'm waiting for my check. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I got my dressing room didn't have these Patrick Fingle star yeah. on the front. But no, anyway, uh, so, you know, I'm a Maryland-based, uh, you know, Maryland-born, uh, Maryland-bred, um, you know, entrepreneur, I guess you could say. So, uh, you know, early into it, uh, got into uh, uh, business with a lifelong friend, started a uh, home improvement company, worked for another company. They made it just look too easy. So uh, we replicated it, Uh, made a lot of changes since then. It's been about 18 year ride. Uh, So we've built a a large scale exterior remodeler specialized in roofing, siding, windows, gutters. And then, um, you know, about, uh, I'd say probably about 10 years ago, I'd say, uh, we had a salesperson come in, just lights out sales guy, man, killed it. Salesperson of the year. Uh, he probably killed me for not getting it right, but I think five or six <laughs> years in a row. Uh, that gentleman's name is uh, Steve Stencil, and he came in and he worked for us and um, just super, super, super sharp, brilliant guy. And what he did was he um, uh, probably about like, I'd say uh, eight, seven to eight years ago, he started to develop w- what started as a fancy spreadsheet uh, to kind of simplify the process of giving two to three estimates to homeowners right. every single day. Right. You know, he was like, you know, I, I didn't, he didn't like the sales process being so manually uh, done because it was so, um, you know, I mean, you're doing the same thing every day. Yeah, so it's yeah, it's monotonous. <laughs> so, you know, he started with that over about four years, we built a, a proprietary software. It was called uh, estimate, which is kind of coined it that name. Yeah. Uh, Steve spearheaded that thing in 2016. It had become so robust 
and it was it was so good and uh you know i don't want to sound cliche or anything like that but we uh it was too good to keep internally i mean we had solved a huge pain point for the industry you know and uh you know so in 2016 uh you know steve hung his selling hat up and uh you know in conjunction with us we uh, co-founded uh, leap and the product was birthed and you know, uh, it's been a great success over the, since 2016. You know, we've uh, onboarded thousands of users and uh, thousands of companies, and just uh, it's been a uh, a great success. So I'm super thankful and grateful to be so um, kind of immersed in the home improvement space. So right. you know. now, now I know being CEO of, of of one company is hard enough. How do you manage being CEO of two companies? I'm like, kick ass no <laughs> um so uh, in the uh home improvement business i have a, a co-founded that business with a, a lifelong friend partner uh tom burry uh, he's the business's president uh that business is uh 17 years young uh, so we have a pretty solid established leadership team there so we were just at a point uh where you know i can allocate enough time uh, to, uh, to, to support leap as well. The other uh, recipe for this is really managing out your leadership team, you know, to be, to be a, a really good CEO. I'm not saying it's not countless hours and you, you work a ton, but having really strong leadership, you know, whether it's a C-suite or just even management level leadership, but having people that are independently motivated, that's really the primary function of a great CEO is to build a great team. And the result of building a great team is you can do more with your time. So uh, that's what I've, I, I feel that we've accomplished in both businesses. You know, as you know, we have a great leadership team at Leap. Yep. And, uh, you know, it, it makes it easier for me to have time to balance both. Um, that's great. Just for a little more uh, perspective for the listeners, tell us, you know, the size of New Look. I mean, are you 100 employees? Are you doing 2 million, 100 million? You know, what's, what's a kind of... Well, it it depends, uh, you know, whether it's a COVID year or a non-COVID year, you know, whether there's a massive windstorm or whether there's a non-massive windstorm. No, but there's ebbs and flows in it in in any business. Uh, You know, we're around a $30 million enterprise uh, home improvement company, uh, and we average around 100 employees or so, uh, sometimes as high as 130 or 140. And sometimes uh, in uh, times it might be lower, um, depending on the um, the. uh, you know, the environment, what's being dictated, what's happening in the world, right? Yeah. Um, and wh- where the demand is, consumer demand, things of that nature. Um, that's now, now I want to take one step back and mm-hmm. say, how did you ever get into roofing? Like of all things, you know, nobody, nobody, I think, grows up and says, you know, I want to be a roofer when I get older. So like, how did you end up in this trade? So here's the thing, uh, you know, uh, I'm afraid of heights, <laughs> right? So enterprise roofing companies afraid of heights, right? So how does that work? So Look, I mean, a, a product is a product, right? And the thing about it is, is, you know, the, the process of selling a product and providing exceptional customer service really comes down to like three things. One, hiring the best people. We already talked about that, right? There's somebody that's not afraid of heights that loves getting on a roof that I can hire to work for me, right? And then it comes down to, so hiring the best people and creating a culture for them to be successful, right? A great sales process and a great marketing process, right? 
And so if you have those three things, it doesn't matter. The, 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 the product can be agnostic. It can, you know, it doesn't matter what you're selling. So it could be like new look widgets. It could be new look widgets right. all day, every day. So it just so happens. Why roofing? Well, to be honest, it wasn't roofing. It was why windows, sure. why siding. And then in 2008 for us, you know, the economy hit a rocky road and windows that were a luxury based item. We were at a point where the business was either going to take a big step back and a hit because people weren't buying it because it's not a necessity. Right. Uh, or we were going to pivot to reefing leads, which for the last, call it um, five years, we had been throwing in the garbage. Literally. Because we, we didn't even have a referral program with another roofing company because we didn't like the idea of helping somebody else become successful. <laughs> so we just torched those leads. And, uh, you know, so when 2008 hit, the roofing leads kept coming and the window and signing leads started to slow. So we took that widget and we plugged it into our sales model. And that's what we did. So if you go, why windows and why siding? Well, um, you know, I went to work for a company that a friend referred me into that told me I could make some good money. And the decision was simply that, that easy. And I was just really good at it. I could go into a house and I could sell and, you know, I could uh, relate to homeowners and the product that company happened to sell was windows. And uh, like I said, they had a pretty simplistic system. I'm an entrepreneur. So I realized how much money I was making that organization and so forth. And, you know, it didn't take long, about two years to say I'd like to have more growth opportunity. I'd like to do these things on my own. And that's how New Look was birthed. So for the first five years, windows and siding. And then after that 2008, 2009 ride, uh, we introduced roofing. And then it really just took off. And, yeah. you know, now we're about probably a 70-30 mix. That's great. Going to roofing. What, what What's the... You know, for everybody listening, what's what's kind of the home improvement landscape look like in you know this Maryland, Virginia, DC area? Everybody think like I, I'd be lying if I said every market has its own challenges, and I can't pretend to understand the challenges of the markets that I don't serve, right? So, but I can tell you that our market is is hot and heavy, literally. I mean, I'm watching the Good Morning America today. I don't, I, I, they'd probably be out of business if it wasn't for car dealers and home improvement companies, because <laughs> it's the only advertisement you right. see. I think we've literally pushed out like Dunkin' Donuts and Geico. Sure, it's it's literally it's all you know. The roof is. Yeah, I love this. In the middle of our our, our podcast here, Patrick's getting dripped on with water. This yeah. is great. And so it's like <laughs> I just um, there's no star on my door. The introduction was okay, and now the roof's leaking. So, no. Um, just put it in perspective, this is our space. So, anyway, um, where were we? What was I saying? Uh, asking about the landscape in this Maryland, Virginia, oh, D.C. So area. The landscape is thick. I mean, it's thick. It is competitive. You know, it's, it's, it's a strong market in, in this space. It's the Northeast market. It's, right. you know, we're, we're what? We're 20 miles outside of our nation's capital. Right. You have a tri state. You have Philadelphia as a major metropolis. You have Baltimore. You have Washington, D.C. You have Nova, Montgomery County, Howard County, some of the wealthiest counties in the nation. So you have a high density of, of homeowners. You have a pretty solid credit ratings. So that's going to make for a market. On top of that, uh, you know, I don't. I don't, I mean, listen, it, storm severity has been increasing. We'll, right. You know, we won't get into why, global warming, <laughs> but we, we won't get into why, but storm severity has been increasing. So what that does is that's bringing people that typically wouldn't be in this market to the market. So, I mean, the competition is stiff. Yeah. It's really stiff, right? It, w when you started, was it predominantly more retail here than it is today? 100%. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Stormers, we had... You know, we had uh, when aluminum siding dominated the marketplace. Yeah. There was some storming. The old tin men. Yep, the old tin yeah, men. Yeah. You know, we would you could get some uh, you could get some uh, vinyl siding conversions from old hail mix and stuff. Yeah. 
half of them were out there throwing ice cubes at the house, right? right? right. But anyway, uh, but uh, cover you know, of Time magazine and that whole thing, right? Right. <laughs> right. So that was in Baltimore. Ten Men in no the movies based out of Baltimore. I didn't yeah, know that. It, the whole thing shot and filmed in Baltimore with right. Danny DeVito and uh, I forget the Richard Richard Dreyfus. Right. Right. But anyway, um, no, uh, it, it's uh, it's it was predominantly uh, you know retail market. retail. Yep. And why you have an office in? Southern Jersey, outside of Philly, right? Mm-hmm, yep. What was the same demographic there? Same. Uh, well, new new people from New Jersey are a different breed of people, <laughs> just like all people. There may be some listening. No, so. no, that's great. Right. I mean, and, and I think they appreciate that. They don't want to yeah. be like everybody yeah. else, right? Uh, so it's uh, you know, it's not, you know, there's the 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 density, the the average household incomes, right? The uh, fact that the market is dominated with asphalt shingles, right? Um, that's all like minded. But everybody's got different personalities. Even there's a huge dis- uh, difference in personality and buyer trends between people in Nova, Northern mm-hmm. Virginia, and simply people that are just in closer outside the Baltimore city, you know, out of your maybe Baltimore County, uh, you know. And um, so we get very diverse buying trends and buying uh, patterns, and uh, we get a very diverse uh, consumer, consumer segment here. Do, so, you, do you train the sales team differently in each market, or are they – no, I mean, we try to be corporate in that. So we try to be consistent in our selling story yeah. and our selling process. But it's really important to have locals that are doing the selling. So, you know, we have people that are located in Nova that are hired in Nova that, you know, Nova is Northern Virginia right. that sell there. And in Jersey, obviously, we're not sending people from Maryland up there. We're hiring local people in our markets because those people know the markets. They know the personalities. But, no, the selling process is the same because, you know, we want our we know we want to be the authority in, you know, how to put a roof on, how to put windows on and how to, how to sell that. Yeah. What, uh, what sort of day-to-day challenges are you facing? I mean, lead generation is always a struggle. Yeah. Right. Um, finding the best talent. Right. Um, you know, uh, right now, I mean, there's, I mean, if you want to talk about COVID, we can go, <laughs> you know, that's for a different podcast or a different <laughs> show maybe, but you know, there's all those kind of challenges sure. that are happening. But for us, you know, it's constant at the new look side. It's a constant, uh, it's constant uh, lead generation and just, you know, hiring, having the right people on staff, continuing to, to build that staff with the right people, um, you know, and really just controlling that. It's, it's hiring to the expertise of that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I mean, we're talking a lot about new look now. Right. Uh, but, you know. You know, on the leap side, it's, you know, there's, it's, again, it's similar challenges, you know, getting ourselves in front of customers. There's, you know, there's plenty of products to choose from. There's lots of softwares. People are trying to figure out how to grow and navigate the business. So, you know, what does our product look like? Who's, which customers can use it, uh, trying to optimize it, make it very easy for them to use, you know, working on price points to make sure that it's, you know, we're delivering at a a proper, um, you know, a proper price point to our customers and, and continuing to make sure our product you know, is the best and it stays the best, right? It's fine that it plays with other products, but we want to, we want to dominate the space we're in and we want to be the go-to point of sales software. So, you know, it's really important that we continue to invest in our, uh, in our products so that, you know, we can stand apart from any competition that's out there. Yeah, that's great. Switching back, um, putting your new look hat back on Mm -hmm. now for a minute. What, uh, what are you doing from a marketing perspective that, that works really well and what have you gotten away from? And you can take this from, you know, say the last 18 years or so, or even, you know, within the last year or even as this pandemic's been occurring. So, uh, you know, traditional marketing efforts like call center, canvassing and trade show 
continue to decline. Sure. We still do them. Now, is that a result of the pandemic, or or was that kind they of been were declining fading out? kind okay. of before that? And this you know, kind of accelerated that. Mm-hmm, kind of kind of accelerates that. Um, so for us, it just became a challenge. I, I'm not speaking for the market. I, there's pro- there's companies out there that are successful. I mean, obviously, there's massive companies out there that rely heavily on camsing. I'm just right. saying for us internally, it started to become a little bit of a challenge. Um, and you know, uh, broadcast marketing has really been the go getter for us in television and radio. I mean, that's where with radio dominating, uh, you know, uh, is where we do. And then we kind of clean things up with Internet. But Internet is more of a support vehicle to those broadcast vehicles. So, you know, Internet comes through maybe as a lead converter. But when polled, most homeowners would say that what drove them to the Internet was a radio ad or a television ad or both. They just I hear you and see you all the time on the radio. Right? Yeah, like I do. I like, wake yeah. up, I eat breakfast. There's Patrick talking to you yep. in my ear. You get in the car, you're driving to work. Right, there's Patrick right. in the air. So I mean, that's the thing. So it's just it's yeah. it's trying to be out in front of those consumers with the right message, and uh, you know, just trying to put yourself out there. And you're really just buying that frequency and trying to be top of mind. Um, and you know, and and there's something to be said for trying to pull people through the funnel a little bit too. Maybe maybe. You know, it's fine when you're top of mind when somebody needs a roof replaced or needs their windows done or needs their siding done. But, you know, there's also people that are considering it but aren't at the buyer's funnel right yet. So can you create messages that pull them through the buyer's funnel? You literally reach up through that thing and a hand comes out. They don't know it because it's invisible buyer's right. funnel. But it grabs them and yanks them through by their, their throat and says, hey, get down here. <laughs> you know, and it's it's simple. It's the right advertisement. And they come home from work and they say, hey, honey, you know, I know we've been talking about the roof. But I actually heard this thing. Maybe we should look at it now. And that's to me, that's pulling people through the buyer's funnel. When somebody wakes up and they're like, we got to have the roof looked at, looked at, then it's just being at the right place at the right time with the frequency, having that message in front of them. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I rent my place, right? I just mm-hmm. moved down here. I've got a place to rent. But just from watching these constant messages on TV, I feel like, you know, I need pest control. I need new windows. I need a new roof. <laughs> and right. It's like, I, I don't even own my house. You know, so I can, I can imagine that for homeowners that are constantly seeing these uh uh, reminders that you know when the time comes if there's an interest they're going to call you because you're top of mind mm-hmm. did it did it when you started the business did it look the same I mean, what, what was different then you didn't go and just jump into the broadcast oh group, no right? i mean broadcast yeah. is expensive right. i mean that's risky you can't dabble your toe in it i mean that's one of the biggest mistake contractors will make is they'll go and they'll put two thousand dollars on a radio station they want to hear themselves on the radio and the radio stations that are the cheapest are always the radio stations that perform the worst too right sure not to pick on you like your classic rock stations or anything <laughs> like that, but you got like your classic rock station. You can get on there for twenty five hundred bucks. You, your family and friends can tune in and they can hear your name and it feels great. Right. Mm-hmm. You can go on cable TV like Comcast and get rotators where you're on like FX and you see your banner come across and you're laying there in bed. It feels great. Not great lead converters. Sure. You know, to get in the lead conversion, you got to be on news talk. You got to be on sports talk and you got to be on the right programs. And the problem with those programs is they're the most expensive. Yeah. So if you're not buying the right frequency, save your money and put it someplace else. That's where you do trade shows because it's a little more palatable. I could pay twenty five hundred to be in this trade show and I can walk out with 30 or 40 leads. Right. I can hire two or three canvassers to go out and knock on doors, pay those guys four hundred bucks a week. And it's low risk. When right. I write a check for $30,000 to get a broadcast frequency in a market that I need and it doesn't perform, there's a lot more risk there. Yeah. So you have to be cautious with that. Um, so I know we, when we started, we did same thing. Everybody you hire one or two or three canvassers. I was a canvasser. I would go out. I would knock. I, you know, go out in cargo shorts and I'd knock and then I'd come back in a suit later that night and pretend they didn't recognize <laughs> me from the door because I wanted right. the company to be bigger than that. Yeah. I didn't want perception, to be a, right? Perception you know, one man yeah. band. Like, oh, don't you play the drums too? <laughs> like, no, I had to play the drums. Another guy. Didn't you see the mustache I had painted on? 
You know, so it's like, no. So, you know, when you get out there and you're doing it, you want to give the illusion of that you're a bigger, right. you know, bigger, bigger company. I had five different business cards. I had, you know, uh, an entry-level sales representative, a project manager, you know, depend on what Nothing's customer. changed, Patrick. You're still wearing multiple yeah, hats. Yeah, so that's yeah. So, you know, <laughs> that was it. So, yeah, no, it's, um, you know, you start small and you get out there. I, we did the canvassing. You do it all yourself. Yeah, so you've layered these different vehicles yeah, on, if you will, as you grow. Yeah, I think the one thing that, like, you know, one one secret to my success, and I, I've shared this with, 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 with people in the space and, I, I, you know, on, on calls is, you know, you dress for the job that you want. We started pretending that we were a bigger company before we won. We saw ourselves as a big boy when we were still considered a little, yeah. a, a, a small company. So it was like, you know, oh, well, go talk to, uh, you know, the human resources department. The human resources department was, you know, my the co-founder's mom, sure. right? That was also <laughs> did the billing, right? right? But we, we, we coined it. We had human resources processes that I wrote up or yeah. that I Googled and downloaded. And we had four employees. You know, we tried to always create the narrative that we were a bigger company. And you know, I know the path to success. Everybody's like, how do I generate more leads? How do I generate more sales? Well, there's a big caveat in there. It's like, well, are you, are you, are you presenting yourself like a successful business? I mean, are you doing that? Like, it's like, wait, I don't have an HR department. I got three employees. I only do $500,000 in sales. No, you still have to deal with human resources. You still have to bring that to people, right? Whether you have three employees, five employees, six employees. So that's what we always did a really good job of. We used to have like, uh, you know, a lot of bigger companies would have like president's club dinners and stuff. Well, we had them with one person. <laughs> It'd be at Cactus Willie's. Yeah. But no lie, we'd have the plaque there and we'd be presenting them the, sure. the, 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 you know, the president's club dinner. And, and we, we, again, we dress for the job. And that and went then, on social media. Then, yep, and then it went on social media. And then the next, the next president's club dinner was bigger than that. And it was at a little nicer place. And then before you know it, you're having president's club dinners in Mexico with 80 people. You know, and it's the spouses are there and, and, and everything. So it's, you know, that that's the best advice I can give. It's like, yes, you want to generate sales. Yes, you want to generate marketing. But the biggest thing you want to do is conduct yourself as, as a business. Dress, be, dress for the job that you want before you have it. You know, yeah. conduct yourself like a big business before you are one. Yeah, you that's, know? that's great advice. So now, now once you have that lead, I guess, tell me what your sales process is like. I mean, wh what have you done from a sales side uh, from the beginning to now? I mean, how's that evolved and what's it look like today? So, you know, I mean, it's funny when we started in our sales process, you know, you kind of took what you know was working. I mean, the recipe has been written. I mean, right. you got your Dave Yoho's, you know, you got your Rodney Webb's, you know, you got all these guys that are out there. So your Zig Ziglar's, right? Uh, so, you know, the recipe was there. So you kind of, you don't have to invent that. That's the easy part. Yeah. You know, you spend most of your time on lead generation, then you copycat the sales process, right? Simple enough. But as we started becoming a bigger company, you know, I did things. And as I started becoming a better business owner, we started looking at, you know, market perception. We started, we even paid for surveys and focus groups. We brought in branding agencies and you start to figure out what the marketing consumer trends are. You start to evolve your pitch and you start thinking about who you want to be as a company. You don't have any individuality, right? Your individuality is that of the industry legacies, right? So how do you start to create that? So our sales process started very simple. You know, what works, you've been doing it someplace else buy the 10 step selling systems from one of these guys and implement it and it'll get you there. And I'm not saying that it won't, it'll, it, that it won't even perform equally as good as whatever you come up with once you've been in business for 20 years, one just feels better than the other. So you start with that. And then like anything else, you know, you evolve, you start to think about what your company's story is. You start to think about what you, what your brand and legacy to be. But at the end of the day, 
there, believe it or not, there's still a very simple 10 step selling process that like you can follow that's out there that you can purchase. It's in a book. You can read it. You can implement it, put your own flair as far as your company story into it and, and rock and roll on it. It's kind of rinse know? and repeat from there. It's kind of rinse and repeat. Yeah. I, I got to ask you. So, you know, I, I started, I started roofing, I don't know, 20 plus years ago or so. And, uh, um, I remember technology was just non-existent in the industry. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'd go out there, I'd measure the roof, you know, I'm writing it down, chicken scratch on paper. And, uh, then for me at that age, Eagle View came around, and that was new to me. I had never never heard of technology in that space, and so we had started started adopting that. Now fast forward, I don't know, 12, 13 years from there, and I feel like there's technology for every aspect of the business. So mm-hmm. how have you adapted and implemented, you know, technology as you've as you've continued to grow? Well, you know, one thing is, you know, I consider ourselves to be a thought leader in that space because you know internally we built one of the most successful technologies i would consider in this space right now shameless plug we but (laughs) um but for us now i mean we use about seven or eight pieces of technology i mean you know everything from base camp to crms to eagle view hover you know i mean we use um you know all those technologies uh company cam and you know what i found is if there's a technology out there that you can use don't worry about using a hundred percent of it if you can optimize 30% of it and it makes your business run, people worry about licensing fees and things like that. In the grand scheme of things, it's a very small percentage. You know, don't get lost in that. People think they have, you know, I got to pick a technology. There's lots of them. Now, right. it's easier if you can pick one that does everything, but we haven't found that to be successful, right? I mean, you're always going to have weak spots, right? So that's not that's why there's not like one hotel chain and like one restaurant, right? right? So, you know, for us, it's really been a strategy of saying, okay, where's there a gap? Is there a piece of software or technology out there that can fill that gap? And what's the cost versus the value on that? I mean, what's the reward? The reward on it, sorry. So, um, you know, we... I, I think uh, last time I counted, I swear we used like eight technologies all, all the way down to like base camp, uh, which is, go- yeah. or like, you know, um, you know, you, you know, it's like same as Slack kind of yeah. where you are doing, you know, internal company communications. And, you know, if you're just going for one company that has everything, you're just not going to get that. So, you know, technology has flooded the industry and it's flooded for an, a reason because it's efficient and it's professional. You know, a lot of people think of technology as inward. Ah, I want to get my sales guys selling, you know, uh, better. I want to do this. You really have to think about the consumer perspective on that too. You know, I mean, if you think about it, you know, I, I did a radio spot the other day and I was boasting about, I think, um, you know, a satellite measurement in conjunction with Leap. Yeah. And this was for New Look. And I was boasting about how, you know, in uh, the spot literally said, um, you know, imagine if you went to the grocery store and you pulled the card up to the register and the cashier looked at it and said, hmm, how about a hundred bucks? I was like, I liked like the stink, stink, stink. Like I like the scanning right, process. Right. It feels accurate. Like I want a receipt. Yeah. You never question that. Yeah, you don't, you don't like, question what the price is on there. Yeah. So I was like, you know, imagine, you know, think about a, cons- a consumer that's buying a $50,000 kitchen that doesn't get an itemized estimate. You know, they get yeah, 50,000 in an email. Here's a couple bullet points of what we're going to do. I mean, think about that. And the only reason that's acceptable is because nobody's challenging the notion. Now, yeah. as businesses hit the market and consumers start to understand that these features and technologies are out there, people that aren't adapting them, that'd be like going to the grocery store that right now it's like, nah, I'm just going to do cash. And, you know, we just use a calculator and manually type everything up. There was a place for that. And there still is, believe it or not, in some areas of the world sure, and country. Sure. There's a place for that. But to be a, a massively competitive company in, you know, a non-rural area, 
conducting business in that manner in a grocery store, you're going to get left behind. Right. Right. So I don't talk about grocery stores, but for right. us, and that's because consumers demand it. That industry is farther ahead than we are. Right. right. For us, you know, it's, it's, you know, uh, for, for home improvements and home services, the, the bar is lower. They expect less. But hey, listen, I'm screaming out there on every news affiliate I can <laughs> to say, hey, homeowners, expect more, expect more so that I can get cons- uh, uh, companies to onboard these technologies and provide their, uh, you know, their, their customers a, a better experience. Yeah. And, and I consider you a, a, an early adapter to technology because I, I feel like you uh, seek out the technology as mm-hmm. opposed to the technology seeking you out. And I know a lot of people's hurdles uh, or, or, or that they're scared of technology and the change that it, you know, c- can come with it. Um, I know that this pandemic's kind of sped up some of that change for, for companies, and they're starting to see uh, that they need this technology. And while wow, this technology actually has a really great benefit to it, um, but what would you say to companies that you know are still kind of dipping their toe in the water with with new technology? So you know, like I always say, like on my tombstone, there's a couple things that you could write, right? And this is one of the things that I I love. People that are not good at something don't know they're not good at it. People that are not good at something think they're good at it. Those people have no help. There's no helping them. I'll give you an example. A person says, I'm a great chef. They're a terrible chef. They're never going to be a good chef because they already think they're good, so you can't give them any way to get better, yeah. right? I meet people all the time that say, man, technology's just not my thing. You're not in... You're not unable to do it. You just don't want to do it, right? When you say I'm not good at something, that's like the the proverbial like get out of jail free card. Like I'm not good at it. No, you don't have any desire to be good at it. And there is a huge difference in that. I have a close friend of mine that's onboarding a software. I won't name it. I have a close friend of mine that's onboarding a software. She gave me the wrap it up. I feel like I'm on the Oscars now. The music's going to come on. Uh, so I got a close friend that's onboarding a product. I won't name what product it is. And he said to me the other day, he's like, I'm not good with technology. I was like, no, no, no. You just don't, don't want to do it. And he's like, no, no, I'm, I'm really not. I'm like, no, no, no. Because if you're not good at something, you, that's, you know, I learned how to do it, right? right? I don't right. know if you watch G.I. Joe, but not knowing or knowing is half the battle, right? right? Like, I don't, you know, when you were little, that's the thing. Well, I'm sorry I made the mistake, but now I know. And G.I. Joe would say, knowing is half the battle. <laughs> so you know you're not good at technology, so go read yourself a book or download a software and start toying with it, because guess what? You're not not good at it. You've just never tried it. So, And I get that for any time anybody ever says to me, I'm just not good at that. I'm like, no, no, you just haven't tried. Right? So that's like one of my life lessons. I mean, I get my kids with that all the time. Yeah. I just don't know how to do it. But like, no, you've never tried. You don't want to do it. So I think understanding that, like if you're a person that says, no, I don't want to implement technology into my business because I don't feel like it, fine, say that all day. At least you're being honest with yourself. When you say, I I don't want to implement technology into my business because I'm not good at it, no, no, that's a cop-out. Yeah. Because right now there's somebody that's like, yeah, I'm implementing technology into my business and I'm fantastic at it and they're doing a terrible job. (laughs) That's the problem, right? So it's not knowing that you're not good at something, I guess, is the moral of the story. So, you know, that's the big thing. You know, if you're going to bring technology into your business, and I know this is a, you know, a little bit of the tech focused thing because of of Leap and, you know, but if you're going to bring technology into your business, you know, don't, you're not not good at it. You just haven't done it before. You'll get good at it. I'm not good at podcasts but you're a natural if i do them a couple more times (laughs) i'll get better at it right so i'm able to step into it it's it's okay that i'm not good at it right 
So as, uh, as we, as we wrap this up, I wanted to, uh, ask you for two things. Uh, uh, I guess it's one thing I want to get your advice for, um, new companies that are, you know, just getting started, uh, in the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and also advice for companies that are more seasoned, have been in the business, are are growing and want to grow. You know, maybe they're at that five to ten million, you know, in revenue, and they're looking to take the next step. Mm-hmm. Uh, what advice do you have for those kind of two different segments? So I got beautiful advice for both. If you're if you're new and you're coming in, listen, aim small, miss small, right? How do we get two more leads tomorrow than we got today, right? How, how do I have a president's club dinner with one person, and next month it's going to be two people, it's going to be three people? You just you just look one, two, three months down the road, right? And you try to build that. But, the, you know, you have, to, you have to worry about revenue. You have to worry about leads. You have to worry about sales because that's what – that funds your research and development. It allows you to stay in business another month to become a better business. But you have to very quick start dressing for the company that you want to be, right? So day one, implement your softwares, right? Figure out who you're going to be using. Pay the licensing fees. Use your first profits to do that. Again, that's not a shameless plug. It's a fact. It's a reality. Sit down at night. After you've worked for 12 hours and dealt with that roof replacement or that window job or the carpet that got put in and write an SOP, write a job description. You only have one salesperson and it's your cousin. It doesn't matter. You still take a formalized job description. You don't have any place to put that. Download Google Drive and, and upload it on that. Create yourself a Google, a Google account and that becomes your server. You don't say I got the job description on the Google Drive, you say, I have the job description in the human resources file on the server. And you dress for the job that you want. There's, like you, you know, you, you present yourself in that manner. If you're big and you're figuring out how to grow, I have two things. One, invest in infrastructure. It's really important, right? Um, so, you know, this is when you should start thinking about, okay, yes, I can add another salesperson. Yes, I can add this. But is it time to bring in a proper human resources person? Like, because you get, it's hard to monetize those things because they don't equal sales. Is it time to bring in an operations director, right? Is it time to go, a pony up and get a better software? Is it time to switch from a very simplistic CRM to something much bigger, right? And those are some of the challenges. You're kind of foundationally preparing yourself for the next race. So think of it like, you know, you build a foundation. That's what I told the smaller guys to do. Then you build 10 stories on top of it. And what happens is people keep adding stories, adding stories, adding stories, adding stories. And what they did is the foundation was only built for a 10-story business. They add 10 stories, then they keep growing, they add 20 stories, and guess what happens? The business falls over, you take a giant step back. So what you have to do is you have to realize when you've maximized your current footprint, your current foundation. And there's times that you're going to invest in leads and revenue. And then there's times that you're going to invest in infrastructure, operational procedures, and, you know, preparing yourself, so to speak, for the next leg of the race. But it's really important. The most important thing I can say for big businesses that say, I think it's time for me to really take my business to the next level, not because I'm going to do twice as many sales next year, but because I'm going to put my big boy business pants on and I'm going to bring a human resource director in here and I'm going to bring a controller in here to do my accounting and fix our receivables. It's really important that when you do that, you don't lose sight of what made you successful. That's the, one of the biggest problems. People take their sales pitch. They throw it out. To, We're too big for the old 10-step selling process. We're going to stop doing the old referral home program because they want to be something bigger than that. And they take what's working for them and they throw that out, kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater, so to speak. So the advice for those big businesses is know when to stop building stories and reinvest and go back down to the first story and you know, reinforce that foundation, then put another 10 stories on. But when you put that 10 stories on, don't forget how you built the first time. 
you, that a, a large percentage of that, of what was working, should continue to come through. And look, you don't have to take my word for that. You can read a million books that'll tell you that's one of the biggest operating errors that companies make. They want to redefine themselves. They want to be big business. They change everything that they were doing and down they go. Yeah. So that's great advice. That's my advice, man. Now, now if they're located in the DMV, you Oh, no, listen, don't if you're listen. located, don't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> you guys should just get out of here. I think the market's collapsing. Yeah. Right? Well, Patrick, so. this has been great. Really appreciate the time. And, and because I brought you on as the first guest, I'll have to bring you on, you know, when you're like the hundredth guest. Okay, cool. And then maybe I'll, like I'll be a little more polished. And uh, I know you've got a ton of information to share with everybody, so I appreciate do. it. I do. Thanks for the time, and I hope some people find it valuable. And uh, you know, which I always say at those conferences, if you learn one thing, it was worth listening, <laughs> right? So if you learn one thing, if you take one thing away from it, it's worth listening. So thanks for having me, Tom. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thanks. Well, that'll do it for today's show. I truly hope you enjoyed this episode of Leaps and Bounds. If you did, be sure to leave us a five-star rating and review and subscribe to the podcast. We look forward to bringing you more exclusive conversations with some of the most successful home improvement leaders. If you're interested in learning more about Leap, be sure to check us out at leaptodigital.com or follow one of our social channels. Until next time, see you.